Welcome to the New Day Community Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by this message from the Kalamazoo, Michigan campus. For more info on the church, visit newdaycommunity.org. Yeah, keep your hands up, please, because I think it'll be helpful for you as we uh, go along this teaching in the next three hours that they've given me. So there's a few jokes in the middle of the lines just to keep you awake. But, uh, yeah, well, here it is. It's great to be here in Kalamazoo with New Day. We just love your family and uh, love being with you. Hi, Kathy. How are you? I thought you'd be in the front row anyways. And uh, I, I want to just start off, and I know that Cameron's not here, uh, but Kathy is. And I, I just want to publicly say uh, a, a, a public gratefulness and expression of thanksgiving for for Cameron and Kathy, for their um, the strength that they've been to me and Gwen in helping to lead Partners in Harvest, they're um, they're coming alongside and helping us with vision and with strategy and connection, and uh, so I just want to say, you know, to you as a congregation that your leader has been such a a strong leader in our network and uh, such a strength to me personally. So I'm really grateful for that. And uh, the second thing, I, I want to uh, let you know, and again, you're probably aware of this, that he has been really a point person in this whole uh, challenge that we've had with Andrew Brunson in Turkey. And how many have been tracking with uh, Andrew, you know, and hallelujah, he's out of prison, you know. What an incredible situation that he went from the prison house in Izmir, Turkey, to the White House in 24 hours. And, uh, you know, he was um, 24 hours before he was standing before a judge, and they actually, he actually thought with his wife that they, he was going to get sentenced for 30 to 35 years because it wasn't looking good at that last day of the trial. And then uh, they convicted him but released him with time served, even though he wasn't guilty. It was just a face-saving thing that Turkey had to do. But within 24 hours, he was kneeling and praying in the White House for President Trump. It's like a Joseph story. You know, from, from the prison to the right hand of Pharaoh in 24 hours. And uh, uh, the reason that, how many saw the video where he knelt and prayed? It's, it's incredible. Look, check up on YouTube if you, if you haven't seen it. Um, the reason that they knelt and prayed is that Noreen, Andrew's wife, had a dream that she had put her hand on Trump's head and, and prayed for him. And so they knew that they were supposed to pray and be really bold. Now, they kind of thought, is he going to let us touch his hair? You know, so <laughs> they didn't go quite that far. And, and I think that would have caused another world situation and that would have been public and it, it wouldn't have been good. But anyways, the prayer, the prayer happened and uh, we're, we're so grateful for that. So uh, Cameron has really helped lead the charge in that as well, whether you knew that or not. And he's been a tremendous strength in that. And now we have that property in Turkey, and it's like a stewardship from the Lord that we need to take care of. And, and so just continue to pray. But, you know, we're so grateful for Cameron. Bob, I just want to say to you, may the comfort of the Lord be with you. There's been a couple of times, you know, while we've been here that, uh, you know, Sue and yourself hosted Gwen and I with such loving hospitality and grace. And uh, we always remember that. And blessing to your family, comfort and peace to your family. 
And Sue is in a wonderful place right now where we're all going to be very soon, folks. How many know that life goes by very quickly? Yesterday, I was 25. I don't know how I got to be 39 today. It's just so quickly it happened. But um, so bless you. And, you know, just the expression of hospitality, I just want to say one thing. When I think of hospitality, I often think of 1 Timothy chapter 3, where it talks about standards for leadership. And one of the few lessons I remember from my Bible school days, and it was seven, eight years ago or so, that... um, uh, that uh, in, the, in the standards of leadership, hospitality comes before ability to teach. Isn't that amazing? When he mentioned, you know, what's the quality of a leader, hospitality actually was listed by the Holy Spirit in the Revelation before ability to teach. So we will always remember your hospitality, and may the, the peace of the Lord be with you. So, folks, you are starting a fun year with the theme of grace and truth. And I get to open it up. Uh, And so as I understand it, your first six months are going to be focused on grace. And uh, the last six months, focused on offering and triple tithing, uh, the the truth of that, and some other things. But um, in, uh, so I'm going to, as we start off, I hope you have your notes, turn to Romans chapter 5, verse 17. And uh, we're going to open up with kind of my thoughts on grace. And I've been, I've had to focus on this as a leader in our network over the last seven to eight years because we are a grace-based network, but we've had situations in our network where some churches have turned the grace of God into universalism and I'm sure that'll be defined for you as, your, as time goes on. But universalism is basically said, because God is good to all, I guess everybody's saved, and that's that. And uh, I hope today to start unfolding uh, some of the truths of, of grace so that this subject, which we love so much and is so dear to us, would not turn into error. And uh, so let's, uh, let's pray and ask the Lord to, to help us, okay? So, Father, we, we call upon the spirit of wisdom and revelation. And we thank you for, for grace in us, grace in me to teach, Lord. I thank you for that. I thank you for the word of grace that you've committed to us. I pray for grace upon our hearts and upon our minds as we... Uh, as we listen today. I pray you'd anoint me to speak and anoint my brothers and sisters to hear. We both need anointing. All of us in this room need anointing. We call upon that anointing now. So let heaven be open with revelation. We pray, Lord Jesus, that you would stand in our midst as the apostle, the prophet, the pastor, the teacher, the evangelist. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So let's start with reading Romans chapter 5, verse 17. And this morning is going to be really more of a teaching, line by line, than an, than an exhortation. So Romans five seventeen says this. 
For if by the one man's offense death reigned through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. So I'd like you to focus in on this term abundance of grace. Everybody say abundance. Can you agree with me that that's a comparative word? That's a comparative term. In other words, if this concept of abundance is introduced to us, then it, it, could be, it should be compared with, well, minimum or lack or a little bit. And, and so Paul is saying here, and the Holy Spirit is saying to us, that we need to talk about and learn about not just grace, but abundance of grace. And right away, that introduces a concept to us that grace comes in measures. That grace comes in levels. That grace is multifaceted. That grace is not just one word, we're all saved by grace, and let's, let's move on. No, we need to get deeper into grace because there's abundance of grace uh, uh, available to us. And not only is it uh, abundance of grace available to us, it's, um, <clears throat> it's necessary to have that abundance of grace in order to reign in life. So God has said that we have the potential of being kings and priests on this earth. But that doesn't happen just because we say it. Abundance of grace is that which enables us to reign in life so that life doesn't reign or rule over us. How many know that life can get tough sometimes? We're born into this life, and there's you know, about three or four battles that we're, we're constantly facing that would cause life to rule over us. Number one, we're born into a fallen world, and there's a curse, there's a curse around us. Adam's sin, we read it there in verse 17, it brought death on everybody. And, and so by the actions of that one man... The world fell, the curse came on creation, the curse came upon us, the wages of sin is death. And so we live in a fallen world. Number two, so that's the first thing that wants to rule over us. Number two, you have a, we have, we, we have a, let's put it this way. God has, has enabled us to overcome the old nature, but we're learning to overcome that old nature, and sometimes that old nature wants to come back and reign over us. So there's a fallen world. There's the memories of an old nature that would like to rule over us. And then third, there's, there's uh, unseen principalities, powers, forces, demons that are, are influencing and, and, and by their influencing, causing effect on who we are, what we're doing. And, uh, and uh, that, that can be experienced in our lives. That's called the law of, of death, the law of sin and death. So there's, an, there's a battle 
with unseen dark forces. That's the third thing. And then fourth, you're hanging around people that also have those influences. <laughs> Are you with me? Okay, so all of that can cause life to become overwhelming to us. And so the Lord says here through the Apostle Paul that apparently there is a way that we can reign in life. We can rule over those forces that would try to come against us. And the way to do that is to get into and experience not just grace, but abundance of grace. Abundance. Everybody say abundance. And so our goal, and I hope, hopefully your goal in this year, is that you can just grow in grace, and you can get a lot of grace. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 18 says, you are to grow in grace. In other words, we should have the ability to have more grace this year than we did this time last year. And that by the time you end 2019, you should have more grace operating in your life than you, than you did at the beginning of the year. That's just simply a, a growth in grace. And so I think you're going to see, and I'm going to try to introduce it a little bit here, that grace is like Baskin-Robbins. It's not just one flavor. It's not just vanilla. I didn't understand this. You know, I was raised in the church, and my introduction to the concept of grace was that great song by John Newton, Amazing Grace, How Sweet the Sound That Saved a Wretch Like Me. Okay, so, okay, we're saved by grace. I heard that term. We sang Amazing Grace. But, uh, you, know, you know, growing up, that's about all I, uh, all I understood. But grace is more than John Newton's song. Grace is multifaceted, and it is, uh, God offers us abundance. And so, <clears throat> through this abundance of grace, we have the opportunity to reign in life, and then if you look down to your, your third uh, line there in your notes, and it's also in Romans 5.17, that grace needs to be received. Now, we're going to stop and think about this for a second. Much more, those who receive abundance of grace will rule in life. So what does the word receive mean? This Greek word receive uh, is the word lambano. And in the Greek, there are basically two words translated into the English that would mean receive. One is passive and one is active. Okay. So, if Bill, if you could just help me for a second, please. If you could just uh, put your thing, that, yeah, your notes down and just stand there and just face me. So this is, this is a, uh, a pen here, and here's Bill. Okay, there's a nice pocket. Don't do anything. Just kind of stand there and almost smile. Okay, so in one sense of the word, uh, Bill has received that pen. There's a, a, a term, there's a Greek term that would refer to the fact he's got it, it's his, but he, did he do anything for it? No. Okay, but he's received it in that sense. That is not that word in Romans 5.17. 
What you just saw is not what the Holy Spirit is talking about in Romans 5, 17. What he's talking about is, Bill, I want you to receive this pen. I really thought that Bill wanted this pen. Bill, are you going to receive this pen? <laughs> All right. He's got it. I've been tackled in that illustration, by the way. Like literally tackled. And... Uh, so, okay, so when the Holy Spirit, under the spirit of revelation, says, I want you to receive grace, there it is. That's a little picture. So you have to know it's available, like it's in front of us, and you have to go after it. So I like to say it this way. I kind of have to think a little bit deeper on this. Grace is free, but it's not automatic. All right? You can think about that. Grace is free. Why is it free? It's free because when Jesus died, when God in the flesh um, became a man and he died for us, on the cross he released all grace, that every, all grace that we need in your life. So it's free. He purchased every variety, which we're going to see, Every diversity, all abundance of grace, everything available, all of that was purchased in the cross. So in that sense, it's free. But in another sense, it's not automatic. Just because it's available doesn't mean that we're walking in it. You have to lumbano. Everybody say lumbano. See, now you speak Greek. We can all go down to the Greek restaurant and say, I know a little bit of Greek. All right, so lumbano, we need to lumbano what is uh, uh, available to us. It's free, but it's not, it's not automatic. And so um, the, even the concept of, of grace itself can be a little bit vague if it's not defined. What is grace anyways? Well, I like to define it like this. Strong's defined it. Strong concordance. And I tried this joke this morning. Let's see how it goes this afternoon. You know Strong's concordance? Did you ever feel sorry for Mrs. Strong? Okay, anyway. <laughs> you see the size of that? The, 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 the. Uh, okay, anyways. Amazing amount of work done by hand and manually. Anyways, he was really focused on that. Um, where was I? Oh, yeah, defining grace. Strong's defined grace as uh, divine influence in the heart and seen in the life. Ooh. Seen in the life. Well, wait a minute. So you mean you're talking about that grace can be seen, it can be measured, it can be felt, it's tangible, it's experienced? Yes. Grace cannot just be a doctrine or a philosophy, friends. Grace has got to be something tangible in our lives, something measured in our lives. 
If you have more of some, if you have more money this year than you had beginning of last year, you can measure it, right? Same way with grace. Arriba. The divine influence in the heart and yet seen in the life. So when, when Barnabas, in Acts chapter 11, went to the revival center of Antioch, it says he went to Antioch and he saw the grace of God. That's interesting. You can go into a community, you can go into the church, and you can see what what grace is done. You can see the effect of what grace has done. And I hope that you can, you know, see that in your life as well. And so, Bill, if I could, if I could uh, just stay on this point, use you again, please. And uh, this time you just stand there. Thank you. I, I, I like to kind of use this illustration. Uh, I believe that grace can also be defined from Romans chapter 8. Verses 1 and 2, where it says that it's the law of the spirit of life. It's the law. Everybody say law. Okay. So listen to this verse. The law of spirit of life has set me free from the law of sin and death. Okay. So there are two laws operating. And both of those laws cause pressure. Both of those laws cause energy. Both of those laws are tangible, and you will see the effect of both of those laws. So let's just illustrate this. So the wages of sin is death. We're all born into uh, this, you know, death world. By Adam, one, by, by one man's sin, death came upon all men. And so whether you like it or not, you're under the law of sin and death. When you're born into the world. Well, I don't want to be in this. You're under the law. This law operates. And what the law does is that, you can just move a little bit. Thank you. Okay. He was, br- was bracing. Um, the law of sin and death moves you, pressures you. It is an energy. Makes you think a certain way. Makes you talk a certain way. Gives you direction a certain way. And it pushes you. It's the law, friends. In, if you're not in Christ, this law will pressure you until you get to the precipice where the law of sin becomes the law of death and you go over into eternal death. It's a law. Well, I don't like it. It's a law. Okay? It is going to work. But that's outside of Christ. When we're in Christ, there's another law that has to work. It's a law that has to work. If you're in Christ, God is committed to this law. Everybody say law. Working in your life. The influence or the pressure of life and the spirit. It is constantly, as a law, moving you towards the kingdom, into the things of God, into the thoughts of God. 
I'm, I'm thinking this thought now. That's grace moving in me. Into the energy, it is God who works in me both to will and to do of his good pleasure. That is a law. It's the law of grace that has to operate and is constantly operating in your life once you step into Christ. Someone say hallelujah. Arriba. I want to thank you for the hallelujah. Okay. You can be see the bill. Thank you. All right. So with, with that understanding, uh, please turn to John chapter 1, verse 16, that this law constantly has to work. And this is such good news about grace that we're going to see. And I think we could actually start in verse 14. And I'm, I'm pretty sure that this is your, your theme for the whole year. John 1, verse 14, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full, everybody say full, of grace and truth. So Jesus is full of grace and truth. And then down to verse 16. And of his fullness we have all received and grace for grace. Another translation says grace instead of grace. Another translation says grace upon grace. Who has the NIV here? Someone look up the passion. Does anybody have the passion here? Anya, look up the passion on your phone, please, Sarah. Let's read the NIV first and see what John 1.16 says. Out of his fullness we have all received grace in place of grace already given. <laughs> read it again. I, I just love that. Out of his fullness we have all received grace in place of grace already given. How much grace do you have? Whatever you have right now, there is another cycle of grace by this law of grace that because you're in Christ, it is constant cycle of grace extended to you because of the cross. And today, even if you're in vanilla grace, by the end of the year, you can be in super-duper raspberry bubblegum chocolate peppermint with nuts with a few sprinkles on it, Grace. We have got to get into a definition of grace is more than I'm saved by grace, the cross did it. No, no, no. Grace is so it's so full of variety. And it's just a constant cycle that has to be extended to you because you said yes to Jesus. It's a law. Is this a cool law? Do you have the passion? Did somebody get the passion up on John 1, 16? And now out of his fullness we are fulfilled, and from him we receive grace heaped upon more grace. Here's grace, but there is an active 
heaping that happens just because you know Jesus. So we're all in this adventure of discovering the grace heaped up for us. So when was it heaped up for us? Let's go to 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1, please. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1. All right. Grace! Thank you. I just need to get that out of my system there, okay. Arriba. By the way, do you know how the Welsh revival started? They had various prayer meetings. But the, uh, the puncture point, so to speak, is that one of the prayer meetings, one of the young ladies simply said, wonderful grace. And from that puncture point, the, re- the Welsh revival started. It's fascinating. Anyways, let's go to 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1, where it says, Paul says, he has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. Let's unfold that a little bit. It it first starts off, that verse starts off in saying he has called us. Do you know what that word is? In the Greek, it's the word kaleo, and it actually means summon. It doesn't mean suggest. The kingdom has a king. Okay, I'm sorry if here in a democracy we don't fully understand that, but the kingdom has a king. And the word kaleo, when it says, the king called you, it, it doesn't mean that, um, you know, I think it would be a good idea if this happened in your life. That is not the concept of kaleo. That is not a kingdom concept of calling. The kingdom concept of calling is, I'm the king, I'm summoning you to my court, and I'm going to give you assignment out of my, my lordship. And that in that assignment will come purpose. So that's the next word. Calling brings purpose, not according to your works. So you stand there and start negotiating. Well, you know, da, 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 this is nice. Somebody, I think it, uh, no, you don't understand. This is, this is a calling. And this is the purpose I want for you. And then... When we say yes to that calling, yes to that purpose, the king will never send you on your purpose without the resources to fulfill that purpose. He sends you with the abundance of grace that has been stored up for you, but the grace is only stored up for you in the calling and in the purpose which was called and purposed for you before time began. So people think, well, what if I, I, I'm missing the grace of God. Well, if you're missing the grace of God, you have to go back. Are you walking in your calling and you're walking in your purpose? 
Because calling, purpose, and grace all fit together. He's not going to give you grace for something that is not your calling. There is a bank of grace stored up for you. And your adventure and my adventure in this grace walk is to try to discover and then experience all the energy, this influence, this power, this, uh, this law that is operating upon me, influencing me to both know, will, and to do of his good pleasure. So that's what grace is stored up for us. All right. So there are different kinds of grace. We're supposed to grow in grace. Uh, I'd like us to... It's not really that time, is it? 1 Peter 4.10. 1 Peter 4.10. Just give me a, a few more minutes, if you would, please. Please, please don't tell Cameron. Thank you. 1 Peter 4.10. Uh, again, let's find the passion and the NIV. Seth and Sarah, if you could be ready. And I'll read it in the New King James. As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Everybody say manifold. This is not talking about a car part. This is talking that, that grace as a subject can be folded out almost like a Chinese fan. You look at that Chinese fan, it's just a thin thing, half an inch you know, wide. But then, you know, the fun part of it is you, if you, you fold it out and you say, wow, look at that color. Look at the design. Grace is manifold. It folds out gradually in our lives. You don't see it all at once. Seth, can you read that in the NIV, please? Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Various. Everybody say various. Various forms. It's not one flavor. It ha you would have to discover and then steward the various forms that God has presented grace to you. Okay, let's, let's look at it. Every believer has received grace gifts, so use them to serve one another as faithful stewards of the many-colored tapestry of God's grace. Many colored tapestry of God's grace. So here's the first tapestry, because I only have a few minutes. Here's the first color. Number one, common grace. The very basic level. The very, very, very basic foundation level of the grace that you experienced. Theologians call it common grace. That is this. You are kept alive Breathing, eating, living, your heart beating, your um, enjoying of the nature, enjoying of all the gifts of God. You are kept alive and going forward in life by God's common grace, whether you're Muslim, secular, communist, atheist, no matter what kind of a worldview or philosophy you have, God's common grace keeps you alive, but it's still his gift to you. Matthew 4, 5, 44 and 45. Scripture says that he causes his reign to fall on the just and the unjust. 
Rain keeps gardens growing, keeps things green. They enjoy it. They go out to the Grand Canyon. An atheist can go out and say, oh, this is is really good. And he causes his sun to shine on the good and the evil. What is that? That is God's common grace for all of his creation simply because he's, he's faithful. And it causes them to actually enjoy life. And God takes that risk in giving good gifts to all of humankind, even though they reject him. But it's still grace. Now, some have taken that understanding and said, well, look how good life is. Why do I need Christ? Things are good. I like it here. That steak is great. I have a good job. Da-da-da-da. So like I said this morning, the, there's this uh, billboard advertisement um, campaign in England that, that, that says this, good without God. Why do we need God? We're living in a nice society. Things are well. And this is where the error has, has, has occurred, friends, that people have taken common grace and mistaken it for sal- salvation grace. Common grace cannot get you into heaven. It'll just keep you alive until you have the opportunity to choose Christ. And it is just a a, a common grace. Uh, So the very, very basic introduction. And so what I want you to do, um, because we're out of time, is to read the rest of the notes, especially on the back of page two where it says there's manifestations of common grace. And just see what common grace does for you. But that is the first form. Beyond that, there's drawing grace. Beyond that, there's saving grace. Beyond that, there is transforming grace. That is grace that transforms your character. Beyond that, there's empowering grace. Grace that empowers you with the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Then there's persevering grace. There's all kind of, it, it, it folds out, and if you invite me back for a week, we can, but you're going to do it in six months. So there you go. That's a little introduction to grace. I'll end with this, I'll end with this phrase, with, with this statement, don't settle for vanilla. <laughs>